blood in. One bullet had entered her hip and gone straight through the muscle tissue. He gently raised her shoulder and located the entry wound in her back. There was no exit wound. The round was still inside her shoulder. He hoped it had not penetrated her lung, and since he did not see any blood in the woman's mouth, he concluded that probably it had not. Radiology, he told the nurse in attendance. That was all he needed to say. Then he cut away the bandage that the emergency team had wrapped around her skull. He froze when he saw another entry wound. The woman had been shot in the head, and there was no exit wound there, either. Jonasson paused for a second, looking down at the girl. He felt dejected. He often described his job as being like that of a goalkeeper. Every day people came to his place of work in varying conditions, but with one objective—to get help. Jonasson was the goalkeeper who stood between the patient and Fonus funeral service. His job was to decide what to do. If he made the wrong decision, the patient might die, or perhaps wake up disabled for life. Most often he made the right decision because the vast majority of injured people had an obvious and specific problem. A stab wound to the lung, or a crushing injury after a car crash, were both particular and recognisable problems that could be dealt with. The survival of the patient depended on the extent of the damage and on Jonasson's skill. There were two kinds of injury that he hated. One was a serious burn case, because no matter what measures he took, the burns would almost inevitably result in a lifetime of suffering. The second was an injury to the brain. The girl on the gurney could live with a piece of lead in her hip and a piece of lead in her shoulder— but a piece of lead inside her brain was a trauma of a wholly different magnitude. He was suddenly aware of his nurse saying something. Sorry, I wasn't listening. It's her. What do you mean? It's Lisbeth Salander, the girl they've been hunting for the past few weeks for the triple murder in Stockholm. Jonasson looked again at the unconscious patient's face. He realised at once that the nurse was right. He and the whole of Sweden had seen Salander's passport photograph on billboards outside every newspaper kiosk for weeks. And now the murderer herself had been shot, which was surely poetic justice of a sort. But that was not his concern. His job was to save his patient's life, irrespective of whether she was a triple murderer or a Nobel Prize winner. Or both. Then the efficient chaos, the same in every ER the world over, erupted. The staff on Jonasson's shift set about their appointed tasks. Salander's clothes were cut away. A nurse reported on her blood pressure, one hundred over seventy, while the doctor put his stethoscope to her chest and listened to her heartbeat. It was surprisingly regular, but her breathing was not quite normal. Jonasson did not hesitate to classify Salander's condition as critical— the wounds in her shoulder and hip could wait until later, with a compress on each, or even with the duct tape that some inspired soul had applied. What mattered was her head. Jonasson ordered tomography with a new and improved CT scanner that the hospital had lately acquired. Jonasson had a view of medicine that was at times unorthodox. He thought doctors often drew conclusions that they could not substantiate. This meant that they gave up far too easily. Alternatively, they spent too much time at the acute stage trying to work out exactly what was wrong with the patient so as to decide on the right treatment. This was correct procedure, of course. The problem was that the patient was in danger of dying while the doctor was still doing his thinking. 
but Jonathan had never before had a patient with a bullet in her skull. Most likely he would need a brain surgeon. He had all the theoretical knowledge required to make an incursion into the brain, but he did not by any means consider himself a brain surgeon. He felt inadequate, but all of a sudden he realized that he might be luckier than he deserved. Before he scrubbed up and put on his operating clothes, he sent for the nurse. There's an American professor from Boston working at the Karolinska Hospital in Stockholm. He happens to be in Göteborg tonight, staying at the Elite Park Avenue on Avenine. He just gave a lecture on brain research. He's a good friend of mine. Could you get the number? While Jonasson was still waiting for the X-rays, the nurse came back with a number of the Elite Park Avenue. Jonasson picked up the phone. The night porter at the Elite Park Avenue was very reluctant to wake a guest at that time of night, and Jonasson had to come up with a few choice phrases about the critical nature of the situation before his call was put through. Good morning, Frank, Jonasson said.